as a sector in real estate versus retail versus office versus even industrials doing well right now, but now multifamily is, is the way to go in terms of stability. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back. This is your host, Adam AAA Adams. I'm excited because I've got Charlie Peters on the podcast today. He's a real estate investor who lives in Tallahassee, Florida. He's bought properties all over the country. Is that right? Or is it just Florida? It's all uh, over, right? Seven states. Seven states. You heard it from his mouth, from the horse's mouth. And he actually got started in 1996. So he's a seasoned veteran in multifamily. That's when he bought his first one. And I think he ended up quitting a, a sales job at a medical sales company that where he was getting paid great. But in 2005, I think he decided to take the plunge and, and say, it's all real estate. I know he's partnered with a few different people as, as he's come up. He's, he's been the money guy for a lot of deals. He's also operating uh, a few others alone, just with, with he and his wife. And so we've got a lot of different types of experience that Charlie Peters is going to share with you today. And so I'm excited to bring this to you. And we're going to start by taking us back, Charlie, to uh, the very, very, very first multifamily that you ever purchased. Let's talk a little bit about what you were feeling at that time. Were you scared, nervous, whatever? And what are some actionable takeaways that the listener can gain from your first deal? Sure. Yeah. So I graduated from college in 1995, did my first multifamily deal in 1996. Now, while I was in college, I actually worked for my landlord doing some property management stuff. So that way I would say my first exposure was as a, you know, part-time maintenance guy slash painter. But uh, yeah, I've always been a saver. So going through college, I was the guy who actually graduated with no student loan debt and I had money in the bank when I graduated. Uh, always had a part-time job, always worked going through school. I was trying to do everything right. So I had this uh, down payment saved up. I was engaged at the time to my wife of 24 years now. And uh, we had this little townhouse under contract that I was, was going to buy and was working with realtor. And uh, it came back, the townhouse had structural issues, so we had to cancel the contract. And I remember telling the realtor, we're never going to find anything. You know, this is horrible. And it was funny because it was just one townhouse. But, uh, but he said the statement that changed my life forever. And that is, you know, you can buy a quadruplex, live in one of the units, rent out the other three. And as long as you keep those three units rented, you should come pretty close to covering the mortgage payment on the entire building. And I just have one that came available. So uh, we wound up buying that quadruplex and that was, that was my first purchase. Yeah. So. Awesome. So you house hacked, you apartment hacked. I did. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I remember those numbers forever. Each unit was rented for right at 1525 is what those three apartments brought in. And the mortgage payment was 1399. So as long as I kept them rented, took care. I did all the, you know, everything myself and um, yeah. Yeah. It worked really? out well. Well, not brilliant. And do you but still own just, it? Charlie? Uh, no, I uh, sold that uh, 2013 1031 exchange into the office building that I occupy right now, which is where I'm coming to you from. So we, cool. I still have the equity, I guess you could say, but, uh, cool. but don't own the property. 
property anymore. So <clears throat> before that, you didn't read like Rich Dad, Poor Dad or something like that? I don't know if Rich Dad, Poor Dad was written in 1996, but no, uh, no, no, no exposure to real estate at all. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, well let me I, back that up. Let me, go ahead. Go ahead. Let me back that up. My brother was my landlord in college. That's who I worked for. So I did live in his rental property and he had talked to me about, you know, you may want to buy some, some rental property. That would be a good thing. So I won't say no experience, but, but limited. Okay. I guess Rich Dad, Poor Dad was, was 1997. So interesting, interesting. But the book, the, the game cash flow, we used to play it in 96. So I know it was around. Um, so I want to, I want to go in and just ask you why apartments you, you've been doing it for a long time, but how come you are more focused on multifamily? So I do, I do have a couple of office buildings as well, but no, multifamily recession resistant, which you're absolutely seeing right now, office space is getting hammered. So if you're going to be a real estate guy, uh, you know, people need, they're not going to move from apartments. So I think it as a sector in real estate versus retail versus office versus even industrials doing well right now, but now multifamily is, is the way to go in terms of stability. So. Yeah. Got it. Got and then why, why apartments, and this would be why real estate versus the stock market, but you have total control over your asset. Uh, so if I go buy, you know, a thousand shares of Walmart stock, there's absolutely nothing I can do to make the value of that stock go up. If I go buy an old rental house, there's about a thousand things you can do to increase the value of that. So you have total control over your, over your destiny, you know? Awesome. Well, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening and they want to get into apartments? I know you've done duplexes, quadplexes, uh, all, multi, uh, office space, and all the way up to a 120 unit that you ended up. It was actually an interesting deal and I want to bring it up. I want to bring it up in a moment, that 120 unit. But you've done kind of, you've run the gamut and there's a few listeners that probably haven't really reached that level yet. And I want to find out what you would, what tips you would give them, what advice you would give them so that they can follow your footsteps and, and streamline and learn from any mistakes. Right. Yeah. So number one, I'm a huge fan of goal setting. Um, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you should have something you're trying to accomplish that day that takes you closer to the life that you want to live, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. But you, you want to have those glasses on where you're looking at your life 10 years down the road and then working towards that. And so num number one would be get a, get a goal, just a goal, any goal. You can change it at any time, but you need to have something you're consistently working towards on a daily basis. So so I would say number one is get a goal. And then if you want to be a real estate guy and you want to get into multifamily real estate, just looking back, I, again, you just heard the story there. I totally fell into that first building, but the way to start in multifamily real estate is to either work for, work for a property management company so that you understand the business or do what I did. And that is, you know, if you want to learn about an old, how to fix old junky cars, go buy an old junky car and then fig, not figure it out. But um but do the hands-on learning. So I would recommend, yeah, people buy a quadruplex, buy a triplex, owner-occupy it, and uh, rent the other two units out. It's a great, it's a great move. I like that. I appreciate it. Okay, so let's talk about that, that property that was 120 units. Let's talk about who found it, when they found it, 
how you acquired it, how long it took, etc. I, I think that that's going to be a fun one. And it's something that definitely would work on, on any podcast, creative real estate, uh, apartment investing, any podcast would, would love to hear this story about what you did with this 120 units, how you acquired it. Yeah. So uh, 120 unit complex, it's on the I-4 corridor uh, in Florida, you know, great area now, but uh, to, to set the stage for you a little bit there, 2012, financial crisis uh, is rocking the real estate market in the state of Florida and people did not want to touch real estate. And this is after the stock market had bounced back. So, I mean, it was just very challenging to, uh, to, in, to invest in real estate uh, if you're trying to raise money for it, but like banks weren't lending on stuff. So it was, yeah, very challenging. Now I was a real estate guy, so I'd always been a fan of it and it felt like it was, you know, I was hoping it was going to come back, but uh, yeah, I was sitting at home, phone rings one day. It's a number I don't recognize. I answer the phone and it is a note broker. Uh, and so this is a guy who sells defaulted bank notes. He's unloading banks. Didn't have all this, all these processes in place for handling all this REO inventory that they're taking back. And they were just, frankly, very overwhelmed. And so they were unloading these bad notes. And uh, yeah, I got a call from this guy. He had the note uh, available for sale uh, on the 120 unit apartment complex. It was, it was a group. I don't even know if they still exist, but it was called neighborhood lending partners. Uh, and they were a consortium of banks, all these different banks that had uh, created this loan pool to make for, you know, affordable housing. And one of those banks was failing and being taken over by the FDIC. And so, yeah, you got 13 banks, one of them's going and the FDIC is liquidating those assets. I mean, there's no, <laughs> they're not messing around with that. They're liquidating it. And so they had to sell this loan. And I don't know how many people he called, but we went down, took a look at it and yeah, made the loan, made the offer. And, and we bought the note from uh, the consortium of banks, their neighborhood lending partners. So that's how uh, we, uh, that's how we bought may it. Ask, may I ask a couple of uh, detailed questions on it real sure. fast? Um, so I'm thinking like, what was the property value at the time? What was the note value of the time? What did you get it for? I get, and then what was the, like the position of the property in default? Like if it was 30 days past due, two years past due. So, so just so we can have something tangible for the listener, do you know, what was the, what do you feel like the property value was at the time that you purchased the note in 2013? Uh, yeah, property value would have been at that time, three and a half million, probably somewhere in there, eh, maybe $4 million, something like that. And then the note value at the time? What payoff on the note was right at $3 million. And what did you get the note for? Bought the note for about nine hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's so cool! Yeah. That's so awesome. And then, and then the owner at the time, because you purchased the note first in two thousand thirteen, um, and then later you you took over in two thousand sixteen. Where was that property when at the day that you purchased it? Was ninety days past due? What? They were two two years in default. A, a receiver had been appointed by the court. They were well into the foreclosure process. And um, another layer to this is this is a LIHTC property, low income housing tax credit property. And so the uh, the sponsor, the owner of that deal, would have had to pay back all these tax credits that were sold off whenever they first bought the property if the property went into foreclosure for the tax credits expired, which is 15 years. So he was 
killing himself to delay this <laughs> to delay this foreclosure sale uh, so that he wouldn't have to pay back all his tax credits. So uh, yeah, so he was fighting this foreclosure like every step of the way, every every single thing. It was incredible. But yeah, wow. those were the those were the numbers behind it. And that it was already two years past due when at the day that you bought the note and then three years later you took over. So what was, what were those three years like as you were the note holder? Yeah, they were very, very stressful. Uh, like I say, he was, he was fighting. We'd set up a mediation, you know, for something just simple. Uh, it, we're setting up, my attorney would make a motion to, you know, a thousand steps in that foreclosure process. So they'd make a motion to do whatever and they would always, no matter what he did, they'd always file an objection to whatever whatever motion he made. Uh, if it was for a hearing and it was on a Tuesday, no, 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 we gotta we gotta postpone this for at least two months. We gotta get our stuff together before we come in. He fired his first attorney, fired his second attorney, fired his third attorney. They were on like their fourth set of attorneys, and it's one of those things where you go into these mediations, and you know I'm sitting there with my partner. And uh, we have our attorney with us and they come in like with this team of like six attorneys on the other side. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it was a well, uh, it was a well capitalized owner actually on the other side there. So, 55 apartment complexes. So when you, what kind of expenses did you put in like legal wise over the three years until you owned it? Yeah, we spent well over a hundred thousand dollars in legal fees. And then, okay, so you spent about a million. Do you still own the 120 unit today? I do, yep. What's, what's the current value of that property? Yeah, so we just, uh, we just refinanced and appraised for a little over 11 million. So. It's amazing. Yeah, that one, worked, amazing. Out well. that one worked out well. Did you, did you have to put some work into it to get it there? Yeah, the, the complex was in, in terrible shape. The guy completely neglected this thing for two years. And so what you've probably seen this just in your own, uh, in your own business, but uh, the maintenance guys like didn't have funds to work with. And so if a water heater went down, they'd take a vacant unit, they'd rip the water heater out and go put it in wherever the resident needed the water heater. And so we picked it up and there were maybe 15 of those units that had completely just been ripped apart, you know, appliances, water heater, AC units. They were taking carpet out of these units and putting them in, <laughs> and wow. putting them in other units, uh, wow. just to try it. And the the maintenance guys, you know, to their credit, I mean, they're doing the best they can to try and take care of the residents there. But uh, oh, it was such a mess. Yeah, in, in terrible shape. So, how much money did you have to put in it in uh, rehab and things like that? Yeah, uh, the total renovations were about two million dollars. All right. You're you're in it all in at three million and praises for eleven, Some, somewhere right around there. Yeah, there's That's some time. There's a time value of money kind of thing that you okay, have to okay. factor in there as well. So but, when yeah. you refinance it, that property, um, you probably are are able to take out a little bit of money. If so, if you do that, where do you put? Where have you been placing the capital? Yeah, we just, it's funny you ask that, we just refinanced this thing uh, maybe two months ago. And so I'm actually looking for a new project. Right now, uh, I've got it in my stock market, TD Ameritrade account, just a, mostly in an S&P 500 index fund. Okay. But yeah, we're, we're trying to transition that out and looking for some more real estate. So. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So I want to get more into your story 
Um, what other deal is notable to you that you feel like could be valuable to the listener? The, this 120 unit was, was fun to dive into. What's one other property that you'd like to dive into with the listener? Yeah, so here's a quick story. Uh, the highest in terms of pure ROI, never seen anybody that could beat this. So see if, see if you're equal to the task here. But uh, we've been on foreclosure auctions, sometimes just through our local, um, local Leon County, you know, dot realforeclose.com. I was out of town one day. I had a partner here and he's like, you know, you're interested in this house, this brick house um, on Old Bainbridge Road here in Tallahassee and uh, popped up on the foreclosure site. Uh, so he was getting ready to bid on it. A car had jumped the curb and driven into the garage. And so it had this big hunk in a hole in the uh in the side of the garage there not in good shape at all okay rough looking house and so not not something that you know normal people would want to bid on and so he goes in to bid for it the starting bid's a hundred dollars no one else bid on the house and the plaintiff i don't know if they messed up or something but they didn't put a minimum a maximum bid in and so we bought the house for two hundred dollars and uh, he calls me. He's like, man, we bought this house for $200. I'm like, there's no way we did that. And uh, I said, well, get the money to the courthouse. You know, we'll see what happens here. And I thought, gosh, somebody had to have screwed up this foreclosure. They're going to try and unwind this. And I'm waiting for like a certified letter to come in any day. But it never came. We were like, we got to get rid of this house before they try and unwind the foreclosure. So we threw it right back up for sale as is. So uh, $200, sold it for $57,000. Uh, but yeah, $200 in, we didn't do anything to the house, threw it right back up, sold it. It was less than 90 days later for $57,000. And uh, yeah, if you work that out, we did it one time. I can't remember now, but it was like a 400% annualized return on investment or some, something crazy like that. But I could figure it out for you if you wanted. But yeah, that was kind of a neat story. So that's, yeah, that's let's, my highest. Let's, let's figure it out. Um, I'll let you plug it into the calculator right now. Just whatever, um, 57,000, would it be divided by 200 bucks? Right about 200. So that is a 28,500% return. Okay. So you nine. beat me. You beat me. I had a 12,000% return. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I was well, like, I was like, oh, he's not going to beat me. But you did. You totally crushed me. Yeah. Uh, 20. 6,000%? 28,500%. And then if you annualize it, that's in 90 days. So if you'd have taken that and you know done it again, you'd be off to the race. Yeah, there. so but, you um, would have to four, multiply that by four. It's, uh, uh, is that like a million percent return or a hundred thousand percent return? It's like I say, it's getting up there. Well, uh, that'd be times 365 divided by 90. That would be 115 thousand five hundred eighty three percent return so Fun. there you go yeah love it love it thanks for going into that all right so I'll, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the final five this episode of the creative real estate podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself and we just wanted to say thank you jason i really appreciate having you as a listener and we have an ask we've got a quick ask if you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show, and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. 
And we're back with Mr. Charlie Peters with the final five. Question number one, what is a book that you recommend? The book that changed my life, 19 years old, my best friend's grandmother gave me this old school book and it was called Success, The Glenn Bland Method. Written probably in the 60s, but it was a textbook a text, literally a textbook on how to set and achieve goals. And I am extremely goal oriented today because of that book. So um, that, that is definitely the one that Im- impacted my life the most. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's great for, you know, developing the mindset of an investor. I am such a fan of goal setting. And, and a lot of those books say a lot of the same stuff. So, you know, you can get something a little newer if you want, but, uh, but yeah, I would well, recommend. Hey, uh, Charlie, do me a favor and send me, send me, send me that book. Uh, if you can find it on Amazon or audible or something, sure. send me, send me that book. I'd love to, I'd love to look it up. Thank you. And we'll also mm-hmm. put it in the show notes. Charlie, what's your biggest win of the week? This week, uh, it's been kind of a slow week. We have a 56-unit complex under contract right now. Uh, We're going to pick that up. And so we cleared due diligence. Uh, Deposit's non-refundable. And so we're stepping off into the abyss here now. So it looks like as long as everything comes through together, we'll be picking that up. So I would say the biggest win was clearing uh, the due diligence period for that complex. Congrats. Mm -hmm. What's a challenge? A challenge that you recently overcame in your multifamily business? The biggest thing that jumps into my mind is this tenant not paying rent, trashing up this place, uh, just horrible, horrible tenant drugs, you know, the whole nine yards, awful. Uh, There's a national eviction moratorium going on right now. We filed for an eviction. Eviction got denied. The tenant got themselves arrested and then their utilities got cut off and they tied into the neighbor's water line to start stealing their water. And so we had the neighbors write up a little thing, actually got code enforcement involved, and we filed a motion of reconsideration with the court. And the court, I'm the only guy I know in the last 30 days in the state of Florida that got an eviction, but we got it done. So they are out of there and we are, uh, we are now renovating that place. The neighbors are like so excited. These people are gone, man. It's incredible. Wow. I've never heard a story like that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's nuts. Uh, question number four, what is the one thing that a new investor listener, somebody who's, who, who hasn't yet uh, been able to achieve that first hundred doors in multifamily, for instance, right? What can Uh, they do to crush it in multifamily? If you're brand new, zero doors, uh, I would say, again, buy a quadruplex, owner occupied is great. And we can talk about financing, but as you know, there's great financing programs that are available there for a first time uh, home buyer that's going to owner occupy a property. So I, I would say take action. Absolutely. Set goals, take action, and then buy, buy that first property and, and, and go. And then um, if you're wanting to, uh, if you're wanting to scale that and buy more properties, you're going to need capital. And so that either looks like you better get really good at saving, which is what I did, probably not the best way to do it looking back, but, uh, but either get really good at saving or start building relationships with people uh, that you can add value to. And so I know that's you great. asked for one thing. That's three things. There you go. <laughs> that's good. Well, we'll see what, how, what you do on this last question then. Question number five, Charlie. Um, what is the one thing, 
that an experienced listener can do if they want to take it to the next level? And, and I would say that, uh, you know, it's the difference between we talk about you're really good at baking cookies. And so you bake cookies and then you open a store that bakes cookies and then you open 20 stores that bake cookies and then you franchise that out and go nationwide and become the great American chocolate chip cookie company. And all four of those levels, you're doing the same thing. You're making cookies, but those look very different as you proceed through the levels. And so the key to, to doing the higher level stuff is developing the systems and the processes and putting people in place. So people, processes, and systems. You focus on that. You want to build you want to work on the business and not in the business. And, and that becomes more about delegating and, uh, and again, putting your, putting your systems in place so that your busy business can flourish. Awesome. Good stuff. I'm what sorry, is I talk with my hands? You may have noticed. Here, oh, but, I uh, noticed, <laughs> but the listener has no idea. <laughs> I, I definitely, I see that and I do it as well, but the, maybe on YouTube, they'll see it, but on the, on the podcast, when they're, when they're running and taking a run or getting some work done or cleaning the house, they can't see your hands. So, so the last question that I want to ask you though, is if the listener wants to find you or get a hold of you, I want you to find the one best way, not five, not two, but the one best way that the listener can find you and get a hold of you. Give me a call or shoot me a text. All right. So are you going to throw that number down? I'll throw it out. 850-509-7855. All right. Guys and gals, blow his phone up. Make him, make him feel bad that he put his cell phone number on a <laughs> podcast. 850-509-7855. That's Charlie Peters. Charlie, you added a lot of value to me and to the listener today. I want to thank you for that. I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.